You're listening to True Vine Church Community Podcast. We hope this message sparks and sustains revival with your relationship with Jesus. For more information about True Vine, visit truevinephiladelphia.com. We're in this series on the story of the Bible. You are going to see this year that we are taking a little bit of a team approach to the teaching and the preaching in this series. We've already heard from myself several times, Pastor John Eric. Today you're going to hear from Scott Newcomer, who's one of our elders. So I just want to prepare you for this team approach to teaching through this series that we're going to take. Throughout the year, you're going to be hearing from men and women who are part of our church. Uh, Some of them are elders. Some of them will not be elders. I want you to understand that if they're an elder, so in, in Scott's case, Scott is an elder, the teaching ministry of a church is entrusted, the New Testament entrusts that ministry to the elders of the church to oversee and carry out. But the There is also leeway for the elders to invite others. And so sometimes at the invitation of the elders, we will have people speaking who are not elders of our church. But just uh, you can rest assured that everyone that speaks goes through me. And uh, I check the notes, I get the outline, we talk through everything. That includes even uh, Scott, who is one of our elders, who has actual real training for this. And so Scott, would you mind coming up and joining me on the stage? So just want to, just giving you a heads up, over the next couple months, we're going to hear from a team. Some are elders, some are invited by our elders to come and teach because we believe they have the gift of teaching, and you'll be seeing from that today. Scott Newcomer, one of our elders, Scott and his uh, wife May, and little baby boy James came to our church. Where's, is James here? He was here. Uh, Oh, yeah, he's hiding behind people, okay. Uh, Came to our church like 12 years ago, and then little baby Joshua was born. So I want to pray for Scott and May. I just like making fun of their kids. I'm enjoying this. Okay. Jesus, thank you for Scott and May and their two babies. I pray for him this morning that he would preach with boldness and that he would just feel free to share what you have laid on his heart and what you've been doing in his life this week, because this is also for us. Yeah. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Jim. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So as I've been preparing this week, I've got a little lost about what's going on in current events. So what, what's everyone excited about today? What, what's happening today? Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That was the correct answer, but I will say you all look really nice and color-coordinated today. Um, it's, uh, it's really incredible to me. Uh, sorry I can't join you. I'm actually red-green colorblind, so I didn't want to screw it up and wear red today. That would not be a good thing, right? I also won't know who's going to win this game or what's happening, because I'll just see a bunch of guys hitting each other. They all look the same color. Not, it's not that bad. Uh, I'll be able to tell. Don't worry, Kelly. It's okay. But... Um, at seeing you all like this, uh, I don't say this in a way as if I studied, I've studied Augustine in some deep way. I've just read other books that quote him. And Augustine, the fourth century theologian, says uh, what a society loves collectively shapes its culture. And um, I, I see that today. I, I see it obviously not just here. We see it at Wawa and everywhere else, everywhere else we are. But I can't help but think about a quote like that and think, Um, how, what if that was for Jesus? What if we had this same enthusiasm for Jesus uh, just 
I, I know, I know we're in a room that agrees with that. I'm literally preaching to that choir, but, um, I, I, I encourage you to think about that because it's something that's been thought about for literally thousands of years. Augustine thought of, about that in something like, you know, the year 400 or something, 1500 plus years ago, what a society loves collectively shapes its culture. And I will say, um, I did have a dream about today. I actually dreamt about the game <laughs> and, uh, it didn't, uh, well, actually I'm not going to tell you about that dream cause you probably don't want to hear about it. Uh, but I was just happy I wasn't dreaming about my sermon. That means my anxiety was more placed in the game <laughs> than it was my sermon. I wasn't, uh, at least that night, dreaming about my sermon or there wasn't any anxiety there. So let me pray one more time before we get started. Lord, this is all for you. Um, Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for what you've, you've made for us today. And we pray today would get, bring glory to your son, Jesus. We, we glorify you today, Jesus, as we've already been doing in, uh, in song. And uh, we pray that this time of, of opening your word would glorify you as well. Please use me. Use uh, what, what you've put on my heart in this message, what you've put, uh, whatever words you put on my lips and my tongue to speak to everyone and open their ears and open, open the eyes of their hearts to the things that you have for us today. Let us all learn from you. We dedicate this all to you and sing your name and for your glory that we pray. Amen. So when I, when, when I of you read a book, uh, does anyone, you know, you get a little bored and you're like, you know, I'm just going to skip to the end and see what happens. <laughs> you know, you can do that with the Bible too, right? So you can read the Bible if you wanted to get an idea of the sense of the Bible. You could read Genesis chapters 1 through 3, which is what we've already talked about in this series we're in right now. And you could read about the cross and what Jesus does for us on the cross, which is what I'm going to talk about today. And you could read Revelation 21 and 22, and you would get an idea of the overall story of the Bible, of the recurring theme. You would learn about creation. You would learn about the fall you would learn about redemption at the cross and you would learn about the restoration that happens when Jesus is coming back in uh, Revelation 21 and 22. In fact, in the, in the coursework I've done, the first course I did in that program was a course literally called The Story and all we studied was Genesis 1 through 3, the cross and Revelation 21 and 22. So it, when, you, when you read to the end of the Bible, you actually get a taste for the entire story of the Bible. And um, as we're in this sermon series of the story of the Bible, where we're going to touch on uh, 30 stories and 10 key themes over, over the course of this year, we're going to continue to see this theme that I'm going to talk to you about today come up, this theme of sin and redemption. It's an overarching theme. It's a recurring theme. It's also an underlying theme. It happens in each uh, of those 30 stories. You can probably find where there is that pattern of sin and redemption in that story. And it had to start somewhere. Uh, we can't, can't be redeemed unless we need to be redeemed from something. So there's no redemption without sin. And the only way God could make us know uh, about that is for us to realize that, for us to learn about sin. That was the only way he wanted to make us like him. And this is the only way we could realize that is, is in sin. So we're going to have to talk about that a fair amount today. I'll be speaking from the book of Romans and the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans uh, because he had not been to the church in Rome yet, and he wanted to give them a taste of his message, a taste of the gospel he was preaching 
It's a very foundational, important book to read, uh, a letter to read uh, in the New Testament. Um, and it, you know, the, the overarching theme of justification of guilty sinners uh, by God's grace alone, through Christ, through Christ alone, through faith alone, in, in Christ alone, through faith alone, uh, irrespective of our works, irrespective of our status, is very important. Uh, it's sort of intertwined throughout it, though. There's also this other theme that I won't touch on today, but I want to make sure you know is a very important part of Romans. That is the equality that between Jews, the Jewish Christians, and the Gentile Christians, the not, basically non-Jewish Christians, because that was a very much a, a cultural battle happening in that time. That You can draw some parallels to cultural things happening in our time, but it was a lot of the occasion the letter had to do with that theme as well, and that the two are intertwined together. If you want to learn more about that theme on the Church Center app in this week's uh, readings for the story of the Bible, you can find an entire teaching that uh, was put together by our church, primarily by Pastor Jim, a couple of years ago on the book of Romans, and it goes very deep on that theme. I I highly recommend it. But we'll be, uh, as I said, in the book of Romans talking about sin. Uh, Before we get there, though, we need to say, well, what is sin? Um, I need to make it extremely clear to you how real sin is, how much power sin has over us, what, what power you know, sin has that, that we don't have. And, and sort of to do that, I have to start with where it came from. Where did sin start? And Pastor John Eric excellently touched on this uh, a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about the fall from Genesis 3. And um, you know, I like how this is described in this way when you think about it in creation, uh, God created humanity to be in perfect relationship with him, unhindered relationship. In some ways, you could call that, uh, it's, it's called shalom. It was, it was peace. We were in relationship with God. And part of how he was going to preserve that relationship was by drawing a boundary. And this wasn't a boundary at like the edge of the garden. It was a boundary right in the middle. It says that the the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of, gar- of good and evil were in the midst of the garden. They were right in the middle. So you could think of it as a boundary in the center, but it was still a boundary not to be crossed, a, a rule not to be broken. Uh, a trans, you know, and what did humanity do? What did Adam and Eve do? We, we sinned. We transgressed, crossed that boundary. Uh, we crossed the line. So a, a very simple definition from sin that starts there is just transgression, offense, crossing the line, all having less to do with like, okay, I took this piece of fruit that now I have knowledge of good and evil, though that is what then caused sin to come into the world. Um, but you can kind of feel like, well, it's just a piece of fruit. What, you know, that, and that was also Eve's and Adam's downfall, by the way. But it's more about that was the boundary God put in place, and we crossed that line. Whenever we do that, we are vandalizing God's shalom. We have broken now that peace. Uh, that's what Steve Grusendorf, who was the director of the, the program I studied through the Christian Missionary Alliance, that's how he describes it. Humanity chose to vandalize God's shalom. Another theologian, Reverend James Rudd, says it this way, human beings reject the leadership of Yahweh. Uh, Pastor Jim wrote a book last year, published his book last year, and in that book on page 23, it says, human beings reject the leadership of Yahweh. We came up with our own answers to questions like, well, what is true? 
What is right? Who am I? They wanted to be like God. They wanted to say, you know, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. They wanted to say, well, we're not going to really die. That, you know, through the temptation uh, that they were led to believe that they wouldn't die. So they questioned God on his leadership of what is true, what is right, who am I? The more traditional definition of sin is um, missing the mark. And uh, you can think of that as failure to conform to the moral law of God. We kind of already touched on that. You can also think of that as any act or absence of act that displeases God. So we want to understand that sin is not just like, okay, we, we broke a rule. It's also we, we didn't follow a rule by not doing something. This is known as sins of commission, things we do, and sins of omission, things we should have done but didn't do. We can be in sin in, in either place. So let me bring that into uh, Romans and what Paul says to us this morning there. In Romans uh, 3.23, Paul says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. It's actually the all he's talking about there is that theme I mentioned of both Jews and Gentiles. All have sinned. You know, the, the Jews aren't above the Gentiles because they have the law. The Gentiles aren't free from the law because they, um, because they don't know it. All have sinned. We all have sinned. And we all, you know, in addition to that, we fall short of the glory of God. The uh, Greek word for fall short is hysterio. And we are all lacking. That word can mean we're lacking. We fall short. We're inferior. We fall short. We fail. So we want to really anchor there. If you're not familiar with that verse, or even if you are, like that's, that's where I'm taking my anchor of the power of sin and the fact that sin is real. It's, if, if, it, if you want to hold up this Bible and believe it's true, it says right in it, Romans 3.23, that we've all fallen short that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And that's affected everything about us. It's affected not just what we do, but who we are, which is somewhat controversial in this day and age. Um, I don't know, did any of you see the Grammys last Sunday? Well, it was pretty late uh, by the time this speech happened, and I really need to caveat this statement by saying I have a lot of respect for this person I'm going to quote as an artist and, and for the music she has created and the things she's done. Um, but uh, one of the artists who won uh, Record of the Year, the Grammy for Record of the Year, in part of her speech where she also gave big shout-outs to Beyonce and Prince, she also had to mention, I'd like to believe that not only can people do good, we just are good. We are good inherently. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are good inherently. Um, those statements, you, you really have to evaluate them next to each other. Uh, and if you go a little bit earlier in Romans in chapter 3, starting in verse 10, uh, Paul is uh, quoting the Old Testament. If it's in all caps in your Bibles, that means that it's, coming, uh, it's quoting earlier scripture. And Paul says, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. And look at this usage from here on of, of uh, 
bodily, bodily body parts and, and how all of them can be uh, corrupted. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths and the path of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Paul is painting a very clear picture about what he thinks of a statement like, we are good inherently. Even in this time, he needed to tell the church in Rome that uh, basically we are not good inherently. Um, and he did it through you know, very, very clear language uh, that wasn't just like from him. It was already, it was already scripture. It was already been uh, you know, made part of the canon. Um, and by the way, does anyone know, like, was this from Ezekiel or was this from Jeremiah, some scary prophet? It was all from the book of Psalms. Other than one part of it that was from Isaiah, all of that is, is actually, uh, almost all of them are Psalms of David. And, you know, the, the point he's making is, and we can see from the fall, is that sin has as- impacted all aspects of humanity. It's impacted our relationships with God. It's impacted our relationships with others. It's re- impacted our relationships with ourselves and even with nature. Um, and we can see that we don't actually, after the fall, humanity doesn't do the same seeking of the presence of God. We don't do the same. Uh, instead, we're worshiping false gods, including sometimes ourselves, I would say. And we can see that uh, when it comes to others, we don't put others before ourselves, and we treat people like commodities, not people to be respected. We can see that um, sin introduces shame, introduces guilt, I think a reaction to that right now is it also then, that guilt you know, that then permeates our lives dri- drives us, a reaction to that is actually self-love. You know, we have to replace that, that shame and guilt with something. And so a message of self-love, like we are good inherently shows up. But self-love is sort of self-destructive because in self-love, you, know, you put a lot of pressure on yourself because you automatically, ultimately have to have everything together and we are all destined to fail based on this. So it's, it's not going to end well if, if we just um, lock ourselves into that. We, we can't, we really have to make a decision. We have to say, are we going to uphold what it says in Romans 3.23 or are we going to uh, move into this nature of self-love and, and everything else? Um, did I tell you what, what the album that won Record of the Year was called? Because I can't actually say it in church. Um, we have to uh, make a decision, and in my opinion, we cannot minimize the power of sin in the name of self-love, in the name of inclusivity, in the name of anything else. All right, that's it. Good night. No, I'm not going to leave you there. And I also, I, I should say, I, I don't want to pick on Lizzo that much. I, because you know what? She's no different from the rest of us. We all come from that same, uh, we all have a prideful nature about us. Uh, long before she was preaching her gospel of self-love, we were saying things like, look out for number one. Um, those, you know, this is, it's, it's not necessarily new. It was, it was there in Paul's time as well. So this is just a, more current representation of it. And 
why did Paul allow, sorry, I don't mean to stop you mid-sentence, uh, mid put you in suspense. Why did Paul allow, why did Paul, why did God, why did God allow sin in the world? That, that's where we have to go next. You know, it's like, why is this even a thing? And I have to say that um, as you read Romans, I think Paul is trying to tell us that God had this all planned in advance. Uh, if we look at um, a, a, just right after Romans 3.23, Romans 3.25, starting in the middle of the verse in 3.26, Romans 3.25 mid-verse says, this was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously, the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So if, if we want to um, understand sin and, and God's role in it, we, we have to understand two things. We have to say that with sin, if, if we question why God allowed it in the world, we're, we're saying things like, well, he must not be good and righteous. Paul is very much proving the point. Uh, he's still righteous. He's actually answering a question he asked himself earlier in verse five. He asked in verse five, the God who inflicts wrath is not unrighteous, is he? He's answering that question when he says that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And he was demonstrating his righteousness at the present time. Uh, we, we have to go back. That's why we always need to say, like, are we, are we questioning God's goodness right now? Or are we questioning God's omnipotency or all-powerfulness? Because the other thing we can do is we think, oh, well, there's sin in the world and, and God allowed that to happen and God can't do much about it. If we let ourselves creep into that heresy as well, we, we're not... Uh, fully believing in, in God and his power because we are, we're not believing that he has control over sin. So that's a lot of words, as, as James would say, words. Um, I'll put it a lot more simply. God made us like him and we messed it up. <laughs> that, so, so God made us like him. He wanted to give us this ability to relate to each other and, re, and more, most importantly, relate to him. He wanted to give us the ability give us this ability to make moral decisions. He wanted to make us spiritual beings that can, that can operate in his image. We, we talked about that earlier in this series. We're operating in, him, in his image. But we messed it up, and we see that that evil that comes from us, the evil from sin, that's not done by God. That's done by people or demons who are choosing to do it, as we've already talked about. But... I don't want to leave us there. I, I would say that sin is real, but I also have good news for you. So is redemption. Redemption is real. Redemption is the free gift of God. God made us like him. We messed it up. But he is fixing it. I didn't say he fixed it. He is fixing it. He is in the process of fixing it. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.24 being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. That's the plan that he had in place is the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. If we're talking about sin, 
That's what we talked about. We talked about redemption. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about the redemption we have there and that being God's free gift, that he, this is how he is fixing it. So I'm going to read now from chapter 5 of Romans. Um, it's going to be a lot of words again, but I'm also going to give you a, a diagram for them after I read through this. Just try to follow the, the contrast Paul is making here. This is Romans 5. I'm going to read 15 through 21. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise Jesus. Thank you, God. You planned it all in advance. That's what I take from that. I'm going to explain that. But I, I, want, I simplified that whole paragraph into an Excel spreadsheet because I like those. And sorry if it's a little small or hard to read, but um, this is data, guys. And um, I le- really even realized I actually missed in, I think, verse 18 uh, or 19. There's, there's obedience, disobedience and obedience as well. But there, this lets us break down what we, you know, what we had in the transgression and what we have in the free gift, in the redemption. What we had in sin and what we have in, in uh, redemption. We have sin, we have death, we have judgment, we have condemnation, we have disobedience versus grace, life, justification, righteousness in the obedience that we have. I want to unpack the term justification because it's important for us all to know what, what we mean when we say that. When we say that we receive this justification in one act, we're saying that God considers your sins forgiven. We're saying that you are now made right with God, like made righteous, like you can actually stand before him. Um, and you are therefore spared of the wrath of God. Um, and that's not a justification by works. We're not going to get into the scriptures about that today. We don't have time. But it's a justification that happens by faith. Our faith in who? In Jesus. That's, that's what justification is. If you want a deeper explanation of that, I highly recommend chapter 4 of Romans. Uh, and so Jesus, the one we have faith in for that justification, he's the, he's the answer to the problem of sin. He is the better sacrifice he is the one who, in one singular event, as we see in chapter 6, verse 10, the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. That, that is how we then receive uh, the redemption. And 
I bring it back to, to bring it back to this theme of sin and redemption, I'll stop like the teaching on the doctrine of the gospel and go back to the theme of sin and redemption and what God has for us today in that. Um, I have to go to Romans, one more verse, Romans 6.23, where uh, it says, Paul summarizes it really well. He says, for the wages of sin is death, wages, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And as I've been studying this uh, passage this week, I got really interested in all this language about gift. You see the word gift over and over and over again. You see it in verse 324. You see it in the longer passage I just read from 515 to 21. And then you see it again here in 623. And there are two different words used. In some places, the word charisma is used, but there's also this other word, dorea or dorean, used. And we got our own Dorian right back here, Dorian James, but uh, he, we were talking earlier that he knew that, that his name, one of its meanings can be uh, the gift. And um, that definition of the gift, you know, it, it, limit, it emphasizes the limitless power of God's grace. It's, it's, it's freely given. It's a free gift and is without cost is how it's used in Revelation, actually. And it is, you know, just like abundantly flowing. It's overflowing. It is without lack. Um, I can't help but contrast Dorian, a gift that is freely giving, freely giving without lack, uh, without cost, with hysterio, the thing that we all do. We all fall short. We all are lacking. So like the free gift, uh, Doria, and the hysterio lacking what we were is very clear in this passage of sin, in this, in this study, I think, of, of sin and redemption. And um, I want to actually read how it's used in uh, Revelation as well. I'm going to read the last page of the book for you guys. Um, it's used a couple places, but I'll just read one. This is Revelation 21, 4 through 6. This is talking about when Jesus... Um, returns and, you know, the vision that John sees uh, and this is what he's told by the angel. He's taught this speaking of Jesus. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life, Doria, without cost. That's that Dorian word. He's a silver lining to every cloud. He is the one who makes all things new. He's our free gift. This is a gift too, a gift card received uh, from a church member actually a few months ago. Um, what do you guys do when you receive a gift card? Do you use it right away like my wife because she doesn't want to forget about it? Do you, um, do you forget about it? Do you, you know, sometimes they expire or do you, you know, forget about what, you're not interested in even in what store it is. These gift cards, they have lots of conditions on them. Um, and you, and also it's like, 
it's right, you have to use it right here. It's, it's this barcode or it's not going to work. Uh, you, you know, it's not like this gift that we are been, uh, we've, been, we've received. Um, I think sometimes we treat God's grace, God's free gift, we treat it like a gift card. You know, we just forget about it. We take it for granted. We, we pop our microphone off. We, and um, we waste it. We don't want to waste God's free gift. We need to continue to remind ourselves of it. And really through the whole Bible, that's been what's happened. We've, we've, as we've, we've talked already about creation, we've talked already about uh, the flood. Uh, next week, Pastor Jim is going to talk about the Tower of Babel. And then we'll get into Abraham and Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob's 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel, including Joseph, uh, who winds up going to Egypt, and then brings all of them to Egypt. And then Moses brings them back from Egypt, back to the, Moses and Joshua bring them back to the promised land after going through the wilderness. And we're going to talk about what happens after they make it in the promised land. They have this really dark period called the Judges. We're going to talk about after the judges, they decide they want a king. And so they anoint a king. And for a, like a very small period of time, things are good in the kingdom. But then they get bad and the kingdoms divide. And eventually they wind up in exile and they wind up carted off to other places. And then we're going to, they actually get brought back after the exile. That whole story, the story of the Bible, is a story of sin and redemption. Pastor Jim said it last week, like new world, rebellion, judgment. It's all has that theme of sin and redemption in it, and we have to see it. We have to continue to see how real redemption is. I, in fact, I don't know if you can, if, if you live in this world and you see what we see in this world and how fallen this world is, I don't know how you can actually believe in, in God if you don't really uh, emphasize his attribute of redemption, that he is a redemptive God, because we are in need of redemption. This world is in need of redemption, and we are not capable of doing it on our own. Only he is capable of doing it. I, in my opinion, God would not be God without, without redemption. It is just a critical, critical part of the Bible that you know, I was so excited to get to talk to you about it today. But what's our part in it? And I would say the bridge between sin and redemption, the thing that puts them together is confession. That's built on confession. The bridge is truly Jesus, I should say. But it's built on confession. You know, our part, what we do, we confess. We've already been talking about this in, this, in the services this morning. Um, it says earlier in Romans in chapter 2, the kindness of God leads you to repentance when we really dwell on that kindness, we come to a place of repentance, come to a place of confession. Romans uh, 10, verse 9 and 10 tells us, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Thank you, Lord, for that. And if you don't know, if you don't yet know Jesus as your Savior, I encourage you to, to speak with us, but to speak with him, to speak with Jesus. If that's something that, you know, is, is resonating with you, it, it requires a personal act from you. It's not something any of us can do for you. 
It's something you, it's only Jesus can do for you. We can do with you, we can help you with, but Jesus is the one who does it. But it comes from you having, we all who are walking with Jesus all had that moment of confession. But it didn't end there either. Because Jesus tells us, he, when he gives us a model of how we should pray each day, he, he tell, and, and whenever we're going to pray, when you pray, pray like this. What does he say in that? He says we should pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. We should have a regular aspect of confession in our prayer. I think one of the reasons we, we've gotten into this place where statements can be made like uh, we are good inherently, we probably aren't confessing our sins enough. We're not allowing that, uh, reminding ourselves of the power of sin that is completely, you know, uh, negated in Jesus, but that is still very real in the world and can bother us. We have to look at that in this fallen world we live in to remember what Jesus did. This week I um, I had two meals with two different pastors, uh, both uh, from our denomination, but uh, other churches, one in a more like the Longcrest area and one in Juniata, so not very far from here. Um, and the first pastor I had a meal with, he he's going through a hard time because he is uh, he's always been bivocational. He's pastored and led his church and also had a, a se- separate job uh, outside of the church as well at the same time. Uh, but during the pandemic, he was laid off. He lost his job. I honestly don't even know, you know what, what his... Uh, how he's, you know, providing for his family or how that's happening. I'm sure God is providing uh, in this time, but he's he's had a hard time. He hasn't been able to get another job. Uh, he's been without work for, sounds like months or maybe years. And um, and then he told me on October 26th of last year, October 26, 2022, his wife wasn't feeling well. And normally he would have been at work when this happened, but he was he was at home and um, he told me a little bit more about how his wife was stubborn about this, but eventually he convinced his wife to go to the hospital. And um, thank God she did, because the next day they found out she had had a stroke. And not just a minor stroke, a stroke that is now impacting their lives and that she has to go and see the doctor like three times a week. Something that when you have a job is really, really hard to... Uh, you know, to balance all of that. And he immediately is convinced that this is just how God is using the situation. He, he's not at all mad that he's laid off right now. He's, he thinks his wife might have been dead had he not been home and able to get her to the hospital. And he's, not, and he's able to take care of her. He, he could just see how, uh, as it says in Genesis 50, you know, what, what the devil wanted to use for evil, God used for good. And so when I had a meal with the second pastor, he told me about a really hard situation in his life. And I think he's already thought about this, but he's, he's going through something hard with his church right now. And I, I just had to ask him, I was like, how do you see God redeeming this? And then he really actually got kind of emotional and told, um, told me exactly how he sees God redeeming it. And I think it, was, it wasn't just emotion, it was he was overcome by 
what God can do. We have to believe in that power of what God can do in those situations. So I have to ask all of us, how is God redeeming our situations? We have hard things going on in our lives. We have sin we are dealing with. God wants to redeem all of it. None of it is, is uh, beyond him. None of it's out of his control or else we're thinking he's not all powerful. None of it is used against us or else we're thinking he's not all good. So how is God redeeming your situation today? I think part of how we get to that place where we can really unpack a question that's sort of that personal and hard is we, we get to this place of confession. So I, I have for us today, uh, as part of a closing exercise, I want us to read together uh, a very common, a little more liturgical uh, confession, confessionary prayer, confession statement that gives us a model for what it looks like to confess. And, and then also, I'm going to allow us to respond individually as well. But first, I want us to do it corporately, all as a group. So um, if you wouldn't mind standing when we read this, you don't have to stand just yet. Uh, I'm going to read it to you first so you, you, you can uh, decide if you want to read along with me or not. So this is from the Book of Common Prayer. This is not Scott. This is uh, Thomas Cranmer in the 1500s, the Archbishop of Canterbury. He said, uh, well, he wrote as a prayer. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Anyone who would like to join me in reading that, actually, don't even worry about standing. Um, you, can, uh, you can just join me in saying that now. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And there's a response to that. We want to not just leave our sin out there, but without being reminded, without uh, reminding each other of the forgiveness we have in Jesus. So let's read this together too. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. This morning, if, if you want to respond to this in a more personal way, if you feel like confession is something that you haven't done enough of lately, we want to provide a little bit of space for that. Not a lot, but uh, uh, we're going to provide a little space for that this morning. And we can just leave it right as you are sitting here. If there's someone nearby that you'd like to share something with or someone you could listen to who has something they want to share to you, I, I want to make two to three minutes of space. That's it for that today. And after that, I will come back and dismiss us. 
Um, but if you're that person that's listening, if you're the one that's going to tell, uh, that's going to hear what the other person has to confess, that they are confessing to you and ultimately to God, um, I really need to ask for your help that you remind them of the forgiveness they have in Jesus. That it's not just something where they confess and then they just go on their way, but they also need to be reminded of their forgiveness. So I'll pray over us briefly and then we'll have this, this brief time and then I'll close us after that. Father, we thank you that you planned it all in advance. We thank you that while we may not understand everything about sin, we understand that you wanted to make us like you and that we messed it up, but you are fixing it. We thank you for the free gift we have of redemption in Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that you know, as we've seen this morning, as we're reminded of, the, of our shortcomings, of the ways we've fallen, that as we confess those things, we, we, they, they lose their power over us. And so, Lord, would you allow that moment to happen today, happen this morning as, or this afternoon as we, um, as we share with each other, confessing each other's sins and reminding each other of, of each other's uh, redemption pray this in your name. I'll come back up in two or three minutes.
Paul's alternating writing style in Romans where he is both talking about what we were and what we are kind of goes back and forth between tenses in the past and in the present. It, it reminds us that not only can we see the Bible as, as a story, one big story, but we can also see it sort of as, as a timeline. And we are in a certain place in this timeline, a, a place of we already know about Jesus, we already know about salvation, we already know about God's plan. We have, have all that here, but it has not yet come to full consummation, full restoration, the full uh, new creation. It's not there yet. The, the final new world, after all the rebellion and judgment, um, the final new world is not there yet. Um, but we have to be reminded that it's coming. We have to persevere. And when, when we talk about abiding in the vine, as we talk about so often here, we're we're doing that because we, in that moment, we are then being reminded, we're then persevering. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, we exalt in our tri- tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us sounds like revival to me sounds like what we are what we are going after here we have to keep being reminded keep abiding because when we see that redemption in our lives when we see that moment of see how god meant it for good in some small way that's us experiencing the glory of god in some small way while it's the thing we otherwise fall short of without jesus we, in those moments, we're experiencing what the glory of God is like, seeing how his plan is uh, being enacted in the world. So keep looking for those moments in your life. They're there. And God loves you. And God has those things in control in your life. Let's all just be eternally grateful to him. And we give him all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And we thank you, Jesus for how you came. You, you were that sacrifice that none of us could be. We thank you for that. We praise you, Lord, that you are that free, the free gift of God that, that, that pours out grace, righteousness, that from which we get justification, that saves us, that heals us, that edifies us so we can go on in this time and so we can persevere, that Holy Spirit that we receive that pours out on us. We thank you for all those things and we look forward to what you do next and we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go Birds.